You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 437, the big quiz, could it get any bigger? The re-evaluation of musical icons and the best opening five seconds in pop music. That's all coming up right after Marvin Gaye and Mercy, Mercy Me. On the oceans and upon our seas, fish full of mercury. Oh, oh mercy, mercy, me. All things ain't what they used to be. Radiation underground and in the sky. Animals and birds who live nearby are die. All things and what they used to be What about this overcrowded land? How much more we use from Sanders? Can she stand The second in our short series of Motown bangers mm. to open the podcast. Last week, Diana Ross. This week, decades ahead of his time with this plea for the environment. It reached number four on the Billboard, Billboard Hot 100. And it's from the glorious album, What's Going On, in 1971. Marvin Gaye and Mercy, Mercy Me. That whole album is ahead of its time, isn't it, really? What, what a great choice. I love that. Welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council. It's episode 437. I'm Terence Dackham and mercy, mercy me, it's Juliet Harris. Thank you very much. Hello, everybody. Hope you're well. Now, um, 
Now for the opening segment, Jules. It's causing sensations across the nations. Indeed. You can forget that those people dressed as ducks singing who we don't know who they are. This is the real deal, isn't it? Yes, yes, indeed. This is, this is sort of masked singers taken to another universe, really. Absolutely, yes. It is, it is, of course, the big quiz in which I invite you, the listener, and you, the Julia Harris. I see, hello. To identify five songs on a theme. You, you don't have long, five clips in 30 seconds. Um, it is a bit fast and furious, isn't oh, it? It is, it, it is. This that. week, the theme is locations Ooh. around the world, Jules. Very exotic. Thank it may, you. Yeah, it may be a city. Um, it may be a landmark, uh, a continent. Who knows? We're going on to lads on tour on the podcast <laughs> this week. I like it. Five points for the locations and one bonus point for each artist you can identify. But Jules, I'm mm. going to give you a target of nine out oh, of ten for because sake, this is not good. The final <laughs> one, the band might be outside your comfort zone. It's one that all the prog rock heads will uh, get. Uh, I said so, it might be, but let's try. Yes. So very easy one to get you started. Five locations, five singers or bands, all in 30 seconds. small vacation bring me my arrows of desire well there we are there we are jules um five locations i'm looking for mm-hmm. from you here mm. right, so number one we uh we are being very kindly ultravox agreed to take us to vienna which was good of them That's, pretty that, easy uh, one to start with I feel. yeah thank you for that um we could also for a bonus point could i have italy from uh, of joe dolce's Zappi, you found, which oh, kept it off number one, one. <laughs> um number two Africa by Toto, um, a, a song whose appeal I've never, I think we've had a chat about on the podcast, yes. but I understood its widespread appeal, but uh, it has grown on me over time. Strange rhyming aspects with uh, Across the Serengeti. Uh, very, very strange, isn't it? And also the idea that I've, I've DJed at gigs before where people have absolutely gone mental asking for it, and to be fair to them, filled the dance floor as a result it's mid-paced there's no guts to it at all i don't know how you dance to it there's there's, there's no there's no kind of pizzazz but anyway we move on um we move on to the very picturesque waterloo sunset oh, yes. terry so, and terry and julie at waterloo underground beautiful song i absolutely love that i think it's, it's terrific another excellent song the, the quality has been great this week um glenn campbell and his yes line man which is also a lovely song now the one i think that may have challenged you yeah, well, it was Jerusalem, which you very kindly gave me a sort of a slightly longer clue on that. So thank you for that. I'm not sure. I, so I'm just going to pick a prog band out the air. Um, I'm going to guess a caravan. No, but you're in the right sort of zone. Um Keith Emerson, Greg Lake and Carl oh, Palmer. Emerson and Palmer. But you did what you, you know, I, I'm sort of felt this might happen so i did give you that target of nine out of ten which was, you met that was very generous thank you so so yeah what could i say expectations delivered 
Very well done. My first hearing of the album that contained Jerusalem, that Emerson, Lake and Palmer's Brain Salad Surgery, is quite interesting. It was through a free flexi disc attached to the front page of the New Musical Express mm-hmm, okay. in 1973. I still have it. It plays at 33 and a third, and it's got um, selections of tracks from the album. And it was a really, at the time, it, it felt like a really clever idea, a sort of marketing idea, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. I remember the album didn't. It got quite poor reviews at the time. It was like it did feel a bit like filler and ELP Emerson Lake and Palmer. They were beginning to get lost amongst the glam rock of um, yes. Bowie and Roxy. It, mm-hmm. music it, it was it was it was a prog rock seemed to be a period that was that that burnt quite brightly, but also burnt mm. quite briefly. I think really, I think it got kind of buffeted by by sort of well winds in different directions. So so like you say, you had the glam rock. You also had disco kind That's of on its yeah. way as well. And there seemed to be lots of things that were. How could I put this not unkindly punchier that were kind of around really? But uh, yeah. but you know I do I'm not opposed to prog rock at all. But um but yeah like you say it was it was it feels like quite a specific period in music more than other periods do I think because I think that other periods have had when I say more of an influence more of an obvious influence and um, also prog rock became very uncool for a while and I don't know why that became uncool and and disco still did become re- still did stay reasonably cool I think. I think for me, the context of um, prog rock is that uh, on any given month, I'm very likely to play um, either the Yes album or Fragile by Yes. I'm very unlikely to play anything by the Sex Pistols. And you know, oh, that's that's, it's, it's got legs, you know. That's Absolutely, the thing. yeah. I guess because there's more to it. There's more to unpack. I guess that's the answer. Coming up, changing your mind about musicians. We've been on the road to Damascus uh, this week. Um, that's next after this lovely newish track from Child of the Parish. It's like
thought it had a really good kind of vibe to it. I just, which makes me sound like some terrible music executive, I know, but I, uh, I did enjoy that. It's I, got I, a good beat. <laughs> yes, it has. Yeah, it's catchy. I think the kids will go for it. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I thought that was that was really nice. Um, it's from, um, I'm not usually a hip hop slash rap, according to iTunes person, but I enjoyed that. Uh, that was Child of the Parish and Thread the Needle's Eye, um, which is taken from. Uh, I don't know if there is there is an album available. There is a, a two track single. I know the album is called Before the. No, it's not called Before the Moment's Gone because that's a single. I'm not sure if there is an album at the moment. I think there's just a series of singles. Um, it is apparently of, featured on the FIFA 20 soundtrack, so it's possible I might have heard it already. Well, it's a lovely track, uh, completely new to me. Really, really enjoyed that. Um, on a personal level, I've always held Elton John the bloke in high regard. And um, that goes back to 1972, the teenage me and one of my friends whose mother ran, ran a charity shop oh, right, um, yeah. in Staines selling secondhand clothes. Um, my pal and I, we went out in his van knocking on doors asking for donations of clothes for her charity shop. Ooh. And... Um, we quickly figured that it would be more interesting to head for the more upmarket areas. We'd get better well, results there. Yes. Yeah. And so we headed to Virginia Water and the Wentworth uh, Estate. And to cut a very long story short, we came across a house with the name Hercules curved, uh, carved uh, yeah. into a big stone by the gate. And we pushed the buzzer. Um, were the dogs set upon us? No. Um, Elton John and his mum, because uh, it was that it was his house, Elton John's house. They were incredibly kind. Mrs. Dwight uh, said we looked cold and made us cups of tea and donated loads of clothes. We, we could have almost filled the van with what they gave us. And just as we were going, this is why I've always had a really soft spot for Elton John, which we we're just going. Oh. Elton John came to the door took off the jacket he was wearing and handed it to me, kindly saying he thought it would suit me better than him, which obviously didn't, but it was a really a nice thing to do. It was a black jacket. Lovely, yeah. Black jacket with silver threads running through it, and I don't think I took it off for a week. So Elton, always in my good books. Um, but then I've always wondered why, and I've often sort of criticised him, really, for singing in what I've described as a fake Southern States of America's singing voice. I used to say, look, you're from Pinna. You know, why do you sing as if you're from Atlanta, Georgia? And yeah. I felt also that his daft costumes um, yeah. distracts or distracted from some of his and Bernie Taupin's more sensitive oh, songs. So it put me off Elton's music for years. Then for Christmas, um, just gone, I was given Elton's autobiography, yeah. actually beautifully co-written by Alexis Petridis. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen the light jewels. I understand now but having read this, and it is very, very revealing, it's it's one of the best um, autobiographies I've ever, ever read. Um, I understand that Elton John was, maybe probably still is, a persona um, like Bowie's um, Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. Elton John is the Reg Dwight's Ziggy Stardust, a, a character that allows the former Reg to overcome... I guess the criticism and snarkiness of those mm. around him when he was younger, it frees him to inhabit the character of Elton John, who dresses flamboyantly and sings in, a, in an accent, I now realise, hewn from his favourite musicians mm. in the Southern States of America from when um, he was, you know, learning um, to play when he was a teenager. Absolutely. So, well, of course, of course, the, the John is allegedly comes from Long John Baldry, doesn't it? So, yes. Yeah. So I get it now, Jules. Um, I'm, 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 I'm back being a huge fan of Elton John. So it's hooray for Elton John from me. 
Well, that is a huge relief. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really. I'm, I'm pleased, sure at know, Woodside in Windsor it. today, he'll sit down to <laughs> Sunday lunch with renewed vigour for life. Absolutely, yes. I'm breathing a huge sigh of relief. Absolutely. Like you, I have my opinion of yeah. John changed with something I read. Um, I'm sure that I'm sure that many of our listeners will remember the many of the many will uh, will remember um because they're similar constituency will remember the Word magazine which used to be published in Britain. Um, we um. We, we we obviously have some connection to that, and mm. I remember reading a really long article, a really long interview with Elton John there some years ago. Now, um, it went over several pages, and I grew up with Elton John in the eighties and the nineties. So to me, he always seemed, I hate to say this, but a bit naff. Really, mm. I grew up in the te- in the tantrums and tiaras era when you oh, know yes. him spending five hundred grand on flowers. Um, his songs in that era were good. I still think Sacrifice is a great song. I think it's really underrated. But lots of the songs in that era, I just I, I saw him as being quite brash. I, you know, I remember the I'm Still Standing video. I remember Candle in the Wind. I saw him as being a bit sort of naff, really. I didn't see him as a serious musical mm. figure. And then reading this article, he talked about a world which... I'm fascinated by because I wasn't around for it. So it's not something I remember, but I suspect that, that you probably do and that, and that lots of people listening, mm. listening would do, which is the era of the clubs. So the idea that you, would, you wouldn't necessarily go out to a nightclub to, to dance to electronic music, which is how I would interpret uh, clubs, but that you would go to a nightclub and there would be a band that would play two or three sets during the evening and they'd be, you know, I suppose we would now rather rather sneeringly call them covers bands, but they would play the standards and people would go to have a good time. And, and you know, the bands would usually give them a good time. And I didn't realise that Elton John had started life as a teenager playing in these bands mm. for, sort of, you know, for wages each week and that he'd often play, you know, three or, three or four nights a week and he'd play, you know, two or three sets a night. I remember thinking rather stupidly you must be really good to have to do that i i and i realized how much he grafted earlier in his career as a musician to be able to do that and i really suddenly respected him i also then realized what a genuine fan of music he is by mm, the idea that much. he's got this music well he he buys every i don't know if he still does but he went through a phase of buying everything that was released every week and putting them in his library and I, God, I'd love to. I don't know if you can. There were rumours that you could visit it at some point. I don't know if you can or not. I'd love to. But apparently, I can reveal, having read the autobiography, that he um, sold everything um, back oh, a few no. years ago. Big oh, auction for age charity. Oh well, well, good for him to do that for charity is great. But it's at one point he was having to employ two people, mm. one full time and one part time, to look after the archive. So anybody that's that genuinely committed to music and apparently will often buy fifty copies of a thing that he likes to. Get to people i think that's i really admire that i think he's a genuine music fan and i think it's really interesting like you say when you read people's stories you sometimes get a different perspective i remember being really struck by jules holland's autobiography mm-hmm. which someone bought for me i think when i was a teenager for christmas i think my parents bought it for me and again i've always seen jules holland as this kind of avuncular but a little bit crass kind of host of later with Jules Holland, mm-hmm. who is kind of sort of very kind of, oh, well, here's so-and-so, and, uh, you know, continually getting things wrong and generally seeming a bit sort of, a sort of kind of, well, I remember once it was actually very funny and it reflected well on the on the, on the on the the kind of victim of the mistake in that he was doing the bit where they wheel around the room at the beginning to introduce yeah. everybody. And he went, and here we have Somerset's Finest, 
PJ Harvey! And then there was a noise in the background. He went, Dorset! Dorset! <laughs> Fine, as PJ Harvey just moved on. But no a slightly kind of, a little bit chaotic, kind of slightly incompetent uncle figure is how I'd always kind of seen it. <laughs> but that sounded rude because I genuinely enjoyed Jules Holden. And I think the laser has picked up again after being in the doldrums a bit a couple of years ago. But, um... One thing that I was really struck by, I didn't see him as a particularly thoughtful person mm. or a particularly kind of um, regretful person, I suppose, really. And I read his his um, autobiography, which is brilliantly titled Barefaced Lies and Boogie Woogie Boasts. I don't <laughs> know if it's still in print, but it is, it, it is, it is a good read. I would recommend mm. it. And firstly, he told a story of... You know, he he spoke very well of Paulie Yates and he told this lovely story of how she died during the petrol strike in 2001-ish, 2001-ish. He said that he was so upset at her passing and the manner of it that he there were limits as to how much petrol you could buy. Mm. And he said that he was so lost in thought that he filled up his tank with petrol when he wasn't meant to. And this bloke from a petrol station came running out and started shouting at him, saying, you're not meant to have all this petrol. And he just said, I'm really sorry. My friend died this morning and I was thinking about her. And the bloke went, oh, I'm really sorry. Mm. The other sort of thing of thoughtfulness that I was really admired him for was he talked about how basically there was some level of crossover between how he got together with his first wife and how he got together with his second wife. Oh, right. He, unfortunately, the relationship with the woman that went on to be his second wife was revealed by the fact that they were involved in a car accident together. Oh, okay. They were taken to hospital and unfortunately the truth will out. And he just, he didn't talk a lot about it, but he just said, and I thought I really admired the way that he did it. He just said, I didn't behave well. Mm. And, I really regret it. And my first wife has been, who I think is called Mary, has has behaved brilliantly throughout. And I really admire and respect her for treating me in a much better way than mm. I deserved. And I remember thinking that was a level of, of self-reflection and honesty that I hadn't really associated yes. with that level of depth. So I really enjoyed that. And I think it's, I love reading things and listening to people in different contexts. I really like Desert Island Discs for this because often I learn much more about people in half an hour. People that I didn't or didn't either didn't like or didn't really know. And mm. by the end of it, I think, oh yeah, you're you're very different to who I thought you were. I find mm. that really interesting. It's it's a curious um, aspect of of human behaviour, isn't it? That we all do it, me, me as much as anybody. That we we make judgments about people, and we don't know them, and we don't really have an understanding of where they've come from, what got them to a particular place, and we make assumptions. And you know, you, I know it's a cliche, but you're you're never too old to learn, and that certainly mm-hmm. was the, the case for me uh, with Elton, you with um, Jules Holland, and. Mm. Um, with Elton, I still have some concerns over some of Bernie Taupin's lyrics. Uh, yeah, Island girl, you know. Yeah, um, we have maybe... revisited this before. It's yeah, not... indeed. That's that's for another day. But uh, no, it's, I think it's a definite learning experience for me, and I, I think um, you know, I, I I will try and learn not to make silly judgments on people based on perhaps just their public persona or what, yes, what we've been, you know, the information we've been given and try and understand that there's far more underneath uh yeah, with... no i com- i completely agree i think it's i think sometimes people play a game to some mm. extent but uh but yeah like you say and i think it shows the skill of a good biographer as well i think mm. and a good and a good ghostwriter to be able to tease people out of themselves 
Yes, I can't um, praise Alexis Petridis enough for Elton. John. I mean, clearly they've worked together. Elton essentially gave him interviews, which they taped. So it's Elton's words. But the way that it's been crafted together into a narrative by uh, Alexis Petridis is, is absolutely masterly. Now, coming next, can a pop single be defined by its opening five seconds? Mm. Yes, it can. <laughs> we will, damn it. We, we will. will. That's next after this excellent new track from Marcus King. Pretty little girl in a Cooperville Saw her disappear up across the hill One day here and the next she's gone To hear me sing my song Had her for a minute but she slipped away Imagine 
Prince mixed with a bit of blues, country and southern rock um, sort of guitar, southern rock guitar, then you might um, enjoy more of Marcus King. He's currently on a worldwide tour, taking in Mexico, America, Canada, Europe, Australia, everywhere, really. From the new album El Dorado, that was Marcus King and One Day She's Here. I enjoyed that very much. I wasn't familiar with him at all and I thought that was great. Very good, very um, very good. It's a, it's a sort of solo um, project for him. Now. He was in, a, in a, the Marcus King band, and now he's just Marcus King. But he's only twenty three, and I think there's a lot more to come from him. Yeah, I hope so. There are there are some moments in um, pop, rock, soul, whatever that just transcend these sort of categories that we use to put music in, but put music in boxes, really, don't we? And some records just leap out at you and grab you. And it it used to be you would hear the first few bars of a song almost always on the radio. And, yeah. you you know, you would recognise it and it would lift your spirit. In the modern era, of course, the way we hear music for the first time is more varied. It might still be the radio, uh, Spotify discoveries, a, a recommendation on YouTube, a commercial on the TV, a friend posting a clip on twitter or facebook music is everywhere but there remains those classic songs where the first five seconds set you aflame tingling on or all over absolutely here's a good example from prince I don't know what it is about a whoosh at the beginning of a track that kind of I, I just I, I just every and, and a lot of this the, the, my choices this week have been informed by my kind of semi part time non paying career as a uh, as as a DJ in public places and uh, songs like that like 1999 I never I'm never known for me to play 1999 and people not recognise that whoosh and also for people not to go completely crazy at just at the excitement of knowing what's to come I think. Everything great about Prince is in that track, and everything great about that track is evident from the first five seconds. Absolutely, yeah. It really does set out its stall, I think. Prince at the O2 um, in London is one of the best live gigs mm-hmm. I've ever been to. I'm incredibly uh, jealous that you got to that. It sounds incredibly... Now, here's another example. Uh, this time, um, earlier generation from Prince, this is Steppenwolf. <laughs> The only thing better than a whoosh is a bang or a clatter, that kind of duke at the beginning of that that song. Again, I um <laughs> like you say, it kind of it doesn't reveal the whole tune, but it reveals just enough of the kind of energy of the track that and it sort of foreshadows that you think, Oh, I think this is gonna be good and then guess what? It is. It's yeah, born to be one. It's those opening notes, that riff, immediately I don't know what it is, but this is exactly the way it is. You're immediately aboard a Harley Davidson mm-hmm. hurtling through the dusty trails of Arizona and New Mexico. It's amazing. It is, and, it is easy rider, isn't it? It's yes, so, it, yes, There's it something is. about it that is just like you say, it's so evocative. It takes you to that place. And when I played this uh, during the week when I knew you selected it, it's funny you mentioned that. I thought to myself, I must um, get out my DVD of Easy Rider and watch it. I haven't watched it for maybe 10 years and I hmm. must have another have another look at that. Mm, absolutely. I have the soundtrack, so I think I'm on vinyl, so I think I will have to put that on later on. Here's here's my first clip. It's wonderful the way it sort of doodles in and then pow. It's it's a very unusual intro, but that's what 
of course, makes it so distinctive. Whether it, I don't know whether it was the band Rufus or producer Russ Titleman that came up with the bubbly intro. I, I, I just don't know. But it's a tremendous, another whoosh. And then Shaka Khan comes in. Oh, with one of what the a tune, yeah. Vocal performances of all time. And I must play Ain't Nobody every week. And oh, I, ne- I never tire of it. Interesting. My sort of B-side to that, I think, is that, again, I often play I Feel For You with the uh, Rami Khan rap at the beginning. And again, that always sends people crazy, even though it doesn't. That rap sounds nothing like the rest of the tune. But yeah, it still seems to work. Here's another example. This is so evocative in, in a similar way to the Steppenwolf track. It's um, just about all of Bruce Springsteen's career is exemplified in this five second burst. It's the American dream. It's it's New Jersey. And it's it's like Phil Spector on Highway 9. Mm, it really is. Yeah, I completely agree with that. That's such a great shout. It, there is something very big girl groupy, big wall of sound about it, isn't there? And I've never spotted that before. Yes, and I always think if Bruce Springsteen had never recorded anything else, we'd mm. know all about life in Freehold, New Jersey, from Born to Run. It's sort of jet-driven from those first five seconds. Yeah, it's terrific. It's a, it's a, I kind of, I've never, I, I've liked Springsteen more as I've got older. I've never completely bought into it. I don't know why. I just, I just, it's never really captured my interest fully. And I suspect the problem is me rather than him. But, um, but yeah, I think that is glorious. Here's your final choice, um, Jules. And again, a little bit similar to uh, having mentioned in passing the uh, Shaka Khan, I feel for you in the, the opening five seconds don't really they don't feature in the rest of the song mm. but there is just something i just find it so exciting i just the, the people singing along is is one of the most exciting things i think people sort of gr- spontaneous group singing and it sounds like quite a spontaneous thing obviously it's on record so it isn't but i and again whenever i play it out live people always within the first one will instantly join in there is something about it that is just so exciting and so promising and it's i just think it's terrific i think it's i think it really does say you know it really does build up kind of tension and excitement for a record and even though it doesn't really sound like the rest of the record i still think it's fab yeah another renaissance for david bowie and that mm. that nile rogers chic uh, feel all there in the first uh, five seconds. Okay, yeah, and what re- to a producer Noel Rogers is. Absolutely. I remember at the time, um, Bowie lovers, we, we all sort of thought, can David Bowie turn it around again? And yes, he could, was uh, the, you know, the immediate answer from that track alone. Yeah, absolutely. It's completely glorious. I mean, Noel Rogers' production, he seemed to specialise in kind of giving icons that perhaps you might say kind of had their lot a little bit of a second wind. His production on the Diana Ross album, Diana is incredible as well. It certainly did prolong her career, I think. OK, here's my um, my last clip. It's been a hard day's night. I could really just have run with George Harrison's 12-string guitar chord there. Mm-hmm. It's a sort of wonderful clang and then straight in. And it sums up the glory of the Beatles. Uh, for me, 
I was a little boy. Everything in the world in the early 60s, maybe it's my memory playing tricks, but it's certainly Mm -hmm. the way I remember it. Everything in the world felt grey and black and white. And then the Beatles came along and filled it with colour, certainly filled my world with colour. And that five seconds is the joy that the Beatles brought into everyone's lives who were lucky enough to experience it in the 1960s. Yes, that, that, like you said, that clang sounds Mm. like a door being kicked down doesn't it to me it, it sounds does. like people crashing through into a kind of a dull room and really kind of just lightening it up like you say just livening it up and the the hard days night the film was on bbc4 fairly recently and my dad was watching it on friday night and he's he actually went to see it at the cinema and mm-hmm. um, he was we tried to we sat and worked it out and he, we worked out he was 23 years old Oh. He went to see it at the cinema. My mum went as a child. He went as a 23-year-old. And I said, what was it like? And my dad rarely gets enthusiastic about anything. He has to be said. And he just said it just felt like everything had changed. He said it was a two or three years. Well, bearing in mind, within a three-year period, you know, you'd had, you were going to see pop music films at the cinema and then England won the World Cup in 1966. Mm. A hard day's night really did feel like a cultural event. The idea that the biggest pop group of the day would have a film that you would go to watch and it would actually be good, I think that is and, and and i think like you said that kind of clanging guitar chord at the beginning it really does it really does sum up a new era i think you wouldn't have had that noise on any of the sort of sunday light program type records would you i think it really Absolutely. kind of sums up how things had changed it's it, it really did. I, I was very young six or seven my father took me to see it because he was a big beatles fan and uh, that's how you know the beatles yeah. were introduced into our house through my father and um it really it really was an ex- emotional experience even at six or seven because like you say it felt a little bit like doors being kicked down and I think your analogy is perfect. It opened the uh, uh, sort of world of of colour, leading to a, a, a kind of different feel about Britain. It was like young people look out. We know we're, we're here. here we are. Yeah, we're taking over. We're not. We're not putting up with this anymore. No. And suddenly um, all the central London stores were full of um, colourful clothes and the England yeah. won the World Cup, as you say, it's, and then the Summer of Love and all that. And just the world just was a different place and so much for the better. So, look, we've proved yeah. that the first five seconds of um, singles are the most uplifting and they can just tell you everything about that song and indeed about life. Very much, very much true. Very much true. We are uh, such deep, so very deep. Thanks very much for listening this week. And thanks to Hilly and Rona as well. Absolutely. As always. Thank you, everyone. And Jules, we're playing out with a, 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 a frenzy of sampling. Yes, we are. Samples in samples in samples. This it's sort of like the kind of Russian dolls of the uh, of of the, of the of the musical world. I became very very taken with the this, the album which this song was came from when I was at university, and you did a sort of a one hit wonders sequence before. Mm. Christmas. This is almost a one album wonder sequence, I think. Um, there was a, um, a, 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 this is the only record that he has released commercially. He did make two mix albums for the album for the magazine Mix Mag. So going back to your theme about giving things away with 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 <laughs> magazines, these albums mm. you only get having been given. There were mix CDs given away with with Mix Mag. This is the only album that the the producer Milo has ever produced, and it's wonderful. I absolutely love it. Every song I mean, it reminds me of living in Guildford at Law College, and just every song on it I think I think is is incredible. Um, and many of it were tr- they tried to release as singles. Um, 
in in the, this is the, this is one that was released as a single and i i just think it is absolutely glorious um it's it like you say it's kind of samples within samples it samples betty davis eyes by kim Carnes and waiting for a star to fall by by boy Meets i Me, love that track yeah. um which is a great song anyway and and again this is good sampling that uses source material really well this kind of falls back to my kind of sort of samples sample mm. sort of theme as well so we will do a redux of that and I just think the use of the of, of the in in my arms it's just such a, a I think it's so glorious and I heard this on breakfast radio and it really did give me a spring in my step I think it's just it's just so kind of uh, sort of star-crossed and sunk I just love it this is Milo and in my arms listening to a parish council production <laughs> 